Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Jerry Jones here. And this is yet, well, I shouldn't say this is yet another. This is another, and it is a, it's going to be dang good. I can tell you that much. And with me on the line here, I've got uh, a dentist that everybody practicing in the United States should know. And if you don't know, you're going to know him quite well when we're done. And that's Dr. Howard Ferran. Dr. Ferran is the founder of Dentaltown Magazine and Dentaltown.com, which is the largest, and correct me if I'm wrong, Howard, it's the largest online community of dentists anywhere in the world, correct? Correct. How long has that thing been going now? Is it uh, nine, ten years? Where are you at time-wise? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? We started Dentaltown Magazine in 1994 and the website okay. in 98. So oh it's uh, this is been that long. It's almost 20 so. years. Yeah, it's almost 20 years. Holy Toledo. Time flies. Um, I think I we, met we, you we, back we in 90. Started, What's we, that? We started, Dentaltown, we started Dentaltown six years before Facebook. <laughs> You know, I think somebody owes you some royalties, don't they? Oh, my God. And <laughs> what a ride. What a ride. <laughs> well, I can't believe it's been that long. Um, but, uh, man, I remember seeing you for the first time back in Destin. Uh, that was probably 95. Um, and uh, I've, I've watched what you're doing and, and uh, how you're doing since then. We've, we've had a number of conversations over the years about a variety of topics. And um, I love supporting Dentaltown. I think it's a... Uh, I think that uh, the magazine and the community there is just something that dentistry needed and continues to be successful. So, um, And then the magazine, that I mean, I love the magazine. that That's circulating all over the world now, right? How many hundreds of thousands of copies go out of that, uh, go out each month? Uh, it's mailed to every general dentist in the United States each month. It's about 125,000 general dentists. Um, and uh, we, we started that in 94. And by the way, when we met in Destin, that was because of uh, Woody Oaks and the Prosel Dentist. Yeah, that was uh, old McPhee, Travis McPhee and Woody Oaks. That was back when they were running uh, the Profitable Dentist together. And um, I was working for, for Travis and uh, at that time and and uh, the Profitable Dentist. And so, yeah, that's it's been quite a ride. A lot of things have changed over the years. Um, Howard, like I told you before we got started, I've got seven or eight questions. We've got about an hour, and time flies. And I, I know you and I like to like to talk. We'll get down a rabbit trail somewhere. So um, are you ready to get started? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, first question, um, and, and these will, these start out as questions, but they're going to turn into conversations, so people won't get bored with me just ask, asking questions and you answering. What are the two biggest no-brainer opportunities that dentists are missing right now that any dentist can leverage? The guy that's doing ten million a month and the guy that's doing fifty grand a month. Um, what is it? What are the two biggest no-brainer opportunities dentists are missing right now? Well, one, you have uh, corporate dentistry that, you know, everybody thinks that, um, um, you know, um, Uber is killing taxi drives. And, and it's not. that You know, you couldn't uh, go walk outside on, a, on your iPhone and order a taxi to pull up. You had to go out there and wait one and flag one down. Everybody blames all their problems on someone else. And you've got to look at corporate dentistry. I mean, corporate dentistry, these guys are exploding, and they're doing so many obvious things that the uh, old mom-and-pop baby boomer family practices are doing. I mean, you know, your typical dentist, though, Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5, so 
from 5 p.m. Thursday till 8 a.m. Monday, uh, they, they don't give a shit. I mean, you just call, and if you want to leave a message, which no one does, uh, corporate, you know, I mean, there's three publicly traded there's only three publicly traded dental corporations that I'm aware of, two in Australia, one in Singapore, and every last one of them is open seven to seven, Monday, uh, seven days a week. And, you know, if you're a medical student and you come out of school, the hospital will say, okay, we'll hire you, and you'll work a 24-hour shift on Monday and Thursday, and they don't blink. And then you hire a dental associate and say, hey, would you work one Saturday a month from 8 to noon? And they say, hell no. I mean, so they're not, they're, they're not hustling. Um, they're not advertising. They're not getting the better locations. I mean, uh, I mean, you could look at corporate dentistry's playbook and figure it out in about half an hour. Yeah. And um, and then and then the other thing that they don't do is um, the two biggest things they don't do. They don't they don't care about their numbers. I mean, they they still routinely buy Dentrix and Eagle Soft and soft debt and practice works that's not tied into an accounting function. So so they're signed up for eight or ten different PPO plans. And most of them uh, are paying their hygienists forty dollars an hour to do a cleaning for fifty-five, and their overhead sixty-five percent. And they say things like, "Well, if she's doing the the cleaning, I could be doing a root canal." Like, yeah, dude, but you're not doing root canals all day long. You're not doing them seven days a week. I can give the name of a hundred dentists, and and you when you said, uh, you know, in the United States, I mean, I, I lectured in five continents last year. Um, you know, the biggest trend going around the world is um, these dentists are saying, you know, it, we, we built the dental model back in the 70s. The first dental insurance was 1948, and Americans don't realize what happened after World War II, and that is the war leveled Germany and Japan. So it took, it took Germany. They didn't declare their post-World War II reconstruction until 1980. So after World War II, if you wanted to buy a refrigerator, a toaster, an oven, a car, it was only in the United States, and and we had this huge economic boom because the war leveled all of our competitors. Imagine if McDonald's went to war and leveled all the Burger Kings and Wendy's and In-N-Out Burgers. I mean, they, they, their business would boom. So in 1948, the Longshoremen's Union, which um, basically any shipping container that came in or out of this country from the Atlantic side, the Pacific side, the Great Lakes, they all had to go through those unions. Everybody was buying American stuff. So they started this dental insurance deal, and it was a very lucrative benefit because we were rich. Well, dentists were used to um, setting their own fees, 1000 for a crown, 1000 for a root canal, submit that to the Longshoremen's Club, and that eventually that insurance turned into Delta and blah, blah, blah. And they would just pay whatever percent they agreed to. Well, now, man, 1948, this is 2017. Now you don't submit your fees to the insurance companies. They tell you how much they will pay. So wages have been drifting down. But the mindset from the 1948 throughout the 50s and the 60s and the 70s to have this big delegate everything to your assistants, delegate every, all the cleanings to the hygienists, build up this big machine, well, now the prices are about 42% lower, yet you've been having inflation on your staff wages, your lab wages, You've been having inflation on everything. The margins are disappearing. So I'll go into a dental office, and a hygienist will um, – he'll walk out of the room. He just did two fillings. I'll say, how much did you get for those two fillings? And I'll say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Two twenty-five each? I said, dude, that's your fee, but you accepted this PPO. You just did them for 105 each. So you were in that room for $210. How much did that room cost you? He has no idea. Right. I mean, when you go into a dental office and they're on 12 PPOs, they are losing money on every procedure on at least four or five of them and don't even know it. 
Um, they, they don't know their numbers. Uh, Dentures is a hookup to accounting. The staff doesn't punch in and out on the uh, practice management system. It doesn't generate their profit and loss statement, their statement of cash flow, their, their statement of income, balance sheet, nothing. They know none of their numbers. Do you think corporate doesn't know their numbers? Corporate, my God, Steve Thorne, when he started Pacific, he bought at, at a practice management software system, then hired a bunch of programmers, and they've been programming layer after layer after layer of measurements and financials and dashboards. Those guys know where every penny is, where every penny goes. And, and I mean, imagine if everybody listening to this just got rid of the 40% of their patients uh, they were losing money on, on every procedure. Uh, they, 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 they wouldn't even do it. They just get their, their brain goes into a fart and they just can't do it. And so what you see, you go to Singapore, you're not going to find any hygienists. You used to go to Japan, and those older dentists that are my age, I just turned 55. They say, yeah, I had a hygienist for 20 years, but I had to let her go um, because uh, I would rather just do cleanings and bond with the patient, and I can go over the treatment and, and talk to them the whole time and bond with them and, and talk them into leaving me a Yelp review or a Google review. And they get rid of all these departments that are losing their money. In fact, the biggest explosion I'm seeing <clears throat> around the world in Asia and Europe, especially especially Asia, is these dentists get out of school, they just open up a one-room dental office that's like 20 by 20. You come in there and there's the chair, the operatory's in the middle. They got a couch. Um, you want to call, make an appointment, you call the doctor on his iPhone. He has one employee, his assistant, receptionist. Usually it's the spouse. And they'll, they're doing like 500000 a year, taking home three fifty. And then you go to America and they're doing 750000 a year, taking home one seventy five, and they're running from room to room all day long, doing all these procedures at a loss. Uh, they don't know their numbers. Uh, it's just, uh, you, you know, you got to know your numbers. That was my book. I mean, my, my book, you know, Uncomplicated Business, you only manage people, time, and money. And they don't manage their time. They don't manage their money. They don't know their numbers. Corporate does. And, um, you know, I know that in the 19... 19- post-World War II, 1948 to 1980, lucrative era dentistry that you had three-day weekends. Well, you know, you might tell me, well, you know, don't go to San Francisco. There's 4,000 dentists in San Fran. Yeah, there's 4,000 dentists Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5, but there ain't 4,000 dentists on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. And then when I go find that little Asian dentist on there on Sunday, and she's in a studio uh, dental office, and she's her only employee. I mean, she's, she has one employee, an assistant receptionist, and she'll do a root canal buildup and crown every two hours from 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday till 9 at night, and all that money is in the bank. And I mean, it's just, it's just amazing what happens when you work smarter, not harder. Um, wow, you covered uh, you covered like several questions I had written down. You touched on them, so we're gonna get we're gonna dive more into each of these things. Let's start with metrics. You mentioned doctors don't know their numbers, and this is something that I, I've owned a dental office for 15 years, going on year 16 right now. Uh, we just celebrated our 15 year anniversary this month. Uh, I'm not a dentist, as you know, but one thing that I track, and I one of the, I've got this routine, a morning routine. I get. Uh, the day sheet from yesterday, I go through the day sheet, I match it up, I take a look at the, the appointment schedule, I match it up to make sure nothing was missed, I'm asking questions, why do we do this, how is this, 
why is this fee priced the way it is? I mean, I've got questions every day on the day sheet. I feed that back to my office manager, and then I get, then I get my answers back. But we're, we're, we're in the numbers every day. The P&L gets run every single week. We're running the P&L, and we're comparing it against the week before, last year of that same week. I mean, we're looking for trends. We're trying to identify what's going on, look at overhead numbers. You're right. Dentists aren't in their numbers, and they need to be. So what key metrics do you review, and when do you review them? Because I know you've got today's dental. You've got a dental practice. You're practicing. You're wet-gloved. So what are you, what, what well, numbers let's, let's are you looking up. at? Well, let, let's just go from the front to the back. Uh, think of a big funnel. I mean, these dentists ask me these key metrics. I mean, you know, when I got out of school, I was controversial because I bought a full-page ad in the Yellow Pages in 1987. Only about four of us did, and everybody thought we were just, you know, horrible people for doing <laughs> it. Heretics. And we were getting like 100 new patients a month. Now the Yellow Page is dead. But you go to a dentist's website. You know, he's got some canned website. He doesn't know the metrics on it. It should be a custom website on a WordPress. And I'll say, how many people hit your uh, website um, yesterday? No idea. I'll say, and then, uh, then I'll figure it out, and it was like 10. I'll say, how many of them converted to call your office? He has no idea. And it was, it was 1 out of 20. It's 5%. So why did 19 people land on your website before anyone converted to call? Because you don't have any deal. You don't have a warm YouTube video for a minute saying, hey, come in. Hey, you're afraid of the dentist. Come on. I love that challenge. My patients love it. And then another video by your office manager. Hey, are you afraid of the fear of cost of dentistry? Call me. Call Valerie right now at 893-1223. And we, got all, we have our own in-office insurance plan. We have all this stuff like that. And they just don't have any conversion, 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 call, convert, convert. So they, so they have about 20 people have to land on their website before one converts and calls the office. Then I say, well, how many people had to call your office before your receptionist converted one to appointment? They have no idea. It's about one in three. And then I'll say, well, if three people come in with a cavity, how many get converted uh, to getting a filling done? They don't know. Nationwide, we know it's 38%. So 20 people have to land on a website for one to call. Three have to call before one comes in. Three have to come in before one gets a filling. And that filling describes your average dental office in America collecting $750,000 a year, netting about one seventy-five. It's like, are you out of your mind? Now let's go out to all that funnel, 20 wide, all the way down to someone getting a filling done, go into this leaky bucket that by the time the average dental office, 5,000 patients, 4,000 never came back and are gone. And you sit there and say, okay, well, yesterday you're hiding to saw eight people. Um, how many got rescheduled for a cleaning? You know, you look into it, they don't know. And then you look into it and they find out that it's six. So right there, you just lost 25% of your practice. I'll say, well, how many people call and left a message? I don't know. How many left a voicemail? I don't know. How many of the voicemails were listened to return? I don't know. Um, um, you know, well, how, many, how many patients right now, uh, yesterday we started this practice with six, you tell all your friends you have 5,000 charts and probably 4,000 of them haven't been in one time in 24 months. And then you say you have 1,000 that are active. But only right now, this minute, only 640 people have a schedule for their next cleaning, their crown seats, their next whatever the heck's going on. And you'll say, okay, well, you know, yesterday we had 640 patients scheduled for something in the office. Today we have 639. Who fell off the schedule? I don't know. I don't know. I just I don't know. Why do, why do, how many um, do you track your nose? Like if people call your receptionist. I mean, practice management in two words is patient management. And the receptionist, 
is the most important person in every business. I mean, you go to any small business, incoming calls is called incoming salesman, and that's a man with a tie, and that's a high-paid person. If they're calling someone that fell off the schedule, that's outbound sales. That's a salesman. They make the six-figure money, and the man in the back on the assembly line is making 25 an hour, and the person running the phones is making $50 an hour. In dentistry, it's completely reversed. The dentist and the hygienist make the big bucks. Uh, they don't do incoming sales. I mean, I mean, imagine if you owned uh, 35 uh, dental offices, and you sat there, and I have two dentists on the phone, and no one, none, none of Jerry Jones' patients ever come back. But Howard, my God, Howard, three people yesterday called back and said, is it normal that this root canal hurts so bad? Is it normal my teeth don't touch? And patient management is that kind of data, that type of, of a trained person. And then maybe they'll find out later that Jerry uses a diode laser, uh, when he troughs around tissue, but Howard's an old guy, and he used an electrosurge, and that electrosurge, and you ask Howard, does electrosurge cause post-op surgery? Oh, no, no, post-op pain, no, not at all. Really? Well, we had nine people call the office last month wanting Vicodin after you troughs around some crown prep with electrosurge. They don't know any of that stuff. Uh, when, when, um, so, you know, having that kind of data, when, when someone comes in and calls your receptionist and says, yeah, I broke my tooth, instead of just saying, Wow, I'm so sorry. Um, why don't you just come down? Um, do you know where we're at? We're at the corner of 48th and Elliott. You know where Safeway is? You know where that Chase Bank is? That building next there, that's today's dental. Come on down because she has an extra operatory because we know our cost containments. When you look at dentists who all their operatories have someone scheduled in at one time or another all day long, they make about fifty-five to $75,000 a year less than a dentist that has an emergency room. And when you start studying dentists who have two extra emergency rooms, they all make pretty much over $350,000 a year. I mean, and the obvious examples are your endodontist and oral surgeon. If the general dentist says, well, you need to go see my endodontist because you're in pain and I can't do this root canal, well, that endodontist doesn't want to say, I can't see you tomorrow because there's 4,000 endodontists in America. They will never lose that fish. They will hustle. They'll work through lunch. They'll stay at the end of the day, or they'll just catch the fish, look at it, you know, talk to the patient, give them um, pain meds or numb it up with Bartane. They'll do something. Oral surgeons, same way when someone calls up and I need to get a tooth extraction. Well, general dentists don't do this. So when I call up a dental office, I'm the patient, and the staff is getting 28% of the money. The dentist is making 35%. The lab is getting 10%. Supply is getting 65 The landlord's getting 5.5%. Operatories aren't your constraint. But you sit there and go to any emergency room in any hospital in America. You don't need an appointment. You just drop it down the emergency room, and they have all these extra bays, and they work triage. And sometimes you're saying, well, I can't have an emergency patient show up right now. I'm booked. Yeah, the next thing out of your mouth is going to be, I can't believe my next patient just no-showed and canceled. She just made the appointment <laughs> yesterday. And, uh, and you have to hustle. And that's something the, the baby boomers did more of. They freaking hustled. And they didn't hustle as much as the, gen the silent generation above them. I mean, I mean, I grew up in Kansas. Those farmers worked sun up to sundown seven days a week. When I grew up in Kansas, I had friends, lots of friends that owned dairy farms, where their mom, dad, and the whole family milked cows at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. seven days a week their entire life. They never went on a vacation until all their kids were in their 20s and could actually handle all those dairy cows. And then, and then, then you go to the dentist, and, I mean, you look at threads on Dentaltown. There's one thread on Dentaltown. Uh, how, do you, how do you temporize a toothache? at 4.30 when you close at 5, and everybody's talking about how to do it. I'm like, hey, 
hey, why don't you just do your job and do the damn root canal? They come in, what do you mean 5 o'clock? Are you entitled? Are you out of your mind? Could you imagine your house on fire and the police, the fire department shows up and says, well, you know, we got a lunch break at 12. And it's 11.50. I don't think we should get out the hoses and everything when we're going to leave in time. I mean, firemen do their job. Policemen do their job. Baby boomers, the older guys, we used to do our job. And, and we, it's, it's called hustle. It's called customer service. And, and it's telling the place, hey, you know, I was supposed to go home at 5. My daughter's got a recital at 5.30. Mama's going to be mad. But this comes first. You're having an emergency. My God, that patient will never forget that the rest of their life. But the dentist won't have an extra operatory. So every time I try to call an appointment, every time I try to make an appointment, that receptionist is going through the schedule just trying to look for an operatory. When an operatory, when you put in an operatory, by the time you take it out, it costs you about a can of Coke every hour for the life of that operatory. I mean, it's a $20,000 operatory in the last 20 years, and they, they just don't have any mindset of operational logistics. They, the receptionist isn't trying to close the call. They're not saying, how much is the crown? Well, you know. Well, you ought to just come on down. Come on down right now, and I'll put you in the room, and I'll let Dr. Jerry Jones look at this, and he'll tell you. I mean, they have gold crowns, and they have white crowns, and two-colored crowns, and, and why don't you just come on down? Do you know where we're at? You know, always converting, always converting, getting people in there, closing the deal, uh, and then the treatment plan presentation. I mean, I mean, I mean I've seen this example a hundred times in my 30 years. You walk into a medical dental building, there's eight dentists. And seven of the dentists, um, I mean, seven of them have never, ever, um, um, you know, they're all doing the norm. They're all doing 750, taking home 175, and you say, well, what's wrong with, the, with your practice? And they say the economy and the president and Putin and North Korea and everything but the man in the mirror. And I say, well, the guy next door to you, he's doing twice as much. He's taking home 175. He's taking home 350. He has the same number of charts. He has the same everything. But when three people come in and each have a cavity, he drills and fills two out of three, and you drill and fill and build one out of three. How come he has a twice the closure rate as you? And you think you're the greatest dentist in the world because you have your FAGD, MAGD, and went to the Pankey Institute for six weeks. Well, how good of a dentist are you if two out of three people leave your office with untreated decay? I'd rather send my children to the dentist that removed all the decay and packed the teeth with butter instead of just having you walk out with an active infection. So they don't take treatment plan presentation. And here's another self-limiting block they have. The average price of a new car, uh, the average price of a new car in America would be like a tourist, would be about $30,000. 90% of all the dentists practicing in America today, at least 80% of their patients at one time bought a new car for $30,000, and they've never, ever sold a $30,000 treatment plan once in their life. And then you have these one out of 20 guys who do it every single week. So how come you're in a building and the guy next to you does a $30,000 rehab where he takes every single thing out of your mouth, rebuilds it perfectly, makes it brand new, and the patient pays for this um, through financing uh, of some kind. He does it once a week, 50 times a year, and, and you'll meet a dentist who just retired at 75 and he never did it one time in his lifetime. So these are mental blocks. So you, they look at mouth and they go to try to find the worst tooth. And another great example of that financing, what I love so much about Care Credit, is Care Credit isn't looking for new patients or new customers because every dentist in the United States has signed up for Care Credit at least once. They go in there and they run a report and they say, okay, you're in the zip code of 85044. How many dentists do you think are in the zip code? The dentist won't even know. And they'll say, well, there's actually 36. 
And here's a graph of the printout of the 36 offices in your zip code of how many claims they submit to care credit, how much finance they do a month. So the average for your area is like $32,000 a month. And last month you did one claim for $388. So what's the problem? Is it the wall? Is it the Chinese? Is it immigration? Really? Really, it's always something but the man in the mirror. Because at a dentist, I know dentists. I am a dentist. I love dentistry. I don't think there's anything more fun than pulling four wisdom teeth in five minutes. I mean, I love that stuff. I love it when a patient comes in in pain, and I know I can fix this. I can get them calmed down. I can get them in the chair. I can get them numb. I can fix this and save their tooth. I love that shit. But that is only 49% of the business, 51%. Is the, the dentist. Same thing if you're in a restaurant. You're, you're a chef. You just want to go back there and cook all day. I know that. But you have to understand where are these customers coming for? What are they asking for on the menu that you don't have? Why are they not coming back? What, who is your competitors? Why do they like them? Have you ever gone to their website? Have you ever Googled restaurant near me? Have you ever Googled Italian food near me? And why did your website not come up? How come your website's not responsive and adjust to the size of the iPhone or smartphone and you got some old desktop model that they can't even read and you got all these senior citizens with their readers on, they can't even find it, where the other guy has a responsive website and where it says a phone number, he doesn't even have the memory, he just pushes his thumb on it, now he's dialing the restaurant, making a reservation. This is what dentists have to get interested in. So would you say, Howard, that um, rather than giving your the metrics that you review and when tell every doctor in the united states to find out what the heck your numbers are and then work at improving them use that as a baseline and work to improve them absolutely and i, and I give two more things you know as far as if you can't figure out where you're making money losing money on a single procedure at least you know dentists every dental business i see is a very steady business they've had the same location for five to ten years they've had the same number of front desk, hygienist, assistant. It's a very stable business. So why don't you just take all the cost of your business divided by uh, the number of days in the month. The average dentist works 16 days a month. And then at least have a, a goal every day that says, look, <clears throat> our break-even point, you know, let's say you want 50% overhead. Well, if your break-even point is 3000 then you just tell your staff, okay, we're going to do 3000 bucks, pay all of our bills, go to lunch, come back, and do it again. So now, but look at the look at the people who don't hustle. You know, they'll they'll have an eleven o'clock patient cancel. So the the dental assistant's sitting there on Facebook or just playing around. The dentist is back there surfing on Dental Town. And then about eleven forty-five or eleven thirty, someone calls with a broke tooth. They have no openings in the afternoon. That receptionist sees that lunch hour, and she's just been out in the break room eating for the last hour during the cancellation. They don't even think about saying, well, why don't you just come on down? Because this staff is entitled to go to lunch from 12 to 1 no matter what. You only find that in two places on earth, the government and health care. You never find that on car lots, fire departments, police work. Everybody in dentistry and the Department of Motor Vehicles is entitled to a lunch from 12 to 1. And they're all going home at 5. So we'll sit there at the morning huddle and say, okay, what's our break-even point? Say it's, uh, say it's 3000 bucks. And say, okay, what's our goal? Overhead, 50%. So what are we doing today? 6000 How's the schedule look? Well, we only got 4000 on it. Okay, so if, um, if someone's going to go through lunch, if someone's going to stay late, you know, usually the assistants who have children would rather miss their lunch, and the ones that don't have children would rather have their lunch and uh, stay late. But you just figure out that when you set a culture that says, we ain't leaving till we hit 6000 And if you really, really think that if we go short 
at five thousand, we're gonna we have to pick up that thousand before the end of the month. And if we don't pick up that thousand before the end, of the month, we're gonna open up a Saturday. We're gonna sit there if we're if we're coming up on a week or out from a um, a month, and we're gonna be coming up five, six, seven thousand dollars. You just blow up on a Saturday, you're gonna hit your goal. And when you get a team that's like that, they're gonna they're gonna be humble. They're going to hustle. They're going to be far more motivated to convert incoming calls. They're going to be far more converted, uh, interested. And in, look at the hygiene. There's another disaster. You know, the hygiene department, the hygiene is in there for an hour. This person has a cavity. And, and you know, in many states, she can even numb up the tooth. So she can diagnose it. She can numb it up. Now, obviously, it's not a legal diagnosis because obviously a dentist isn't going to drill in the tooth or without looking at her, he could get him, the dentist to run by. But she numbs up, and then when he does the hygiene check, he sits down, does the opposite, and he says to the hygienist, oh, hygienist, yeah, yeah, just take your next patient room three. In fact, my assistant uh, already set up the room and seated the patient and took the next x-ray. What happens in every dental office in America? Oh, well, this is my room. If you have to do the filling, you'll have to leave and go to another room and get it all set up and move and make it an operational <laughs> logistics nightmare. I mean, at Southwest Airlines, he said, the, you know, Herb Kelleher said the only secret to lower prices is lower costs. So he only flew one plane. At U.S. Air, you know, they were flying 727s, 37s, 47s, Airbuses, L1011s, all this bullshit. They had a plane fall out of the sky every year, seven years in a row. Southwest Airlines is the only airline where no one has ever died on their plane, and it's because they only have one plane. Everybody can fly it. Everybody can fix it. They have parts for it everywhere. Could you imagine a pilot getting on the airplanes and telling the 120 passengers, I'm sorry, this is not my airplane. My <laughs> airplane's three gates down. I'm going to have to ask everybody to get off and get your luggage because my airplane's over there, and this is not – I mean, I mean, dentistry, it's laughable. I mean – I mean, you said your cost is labor. By the time you pay the dentist and the staff, it's 53.5%. And that is the same exact number you see in the, in the Dow 30, the S&P 500, the Russell 2000. That's what businesses pay for the monkey, the people, the HR. That's the hardest part of it. It's not operatory. So when you build a facility that no, and sometimes you'll have a mad, crazy rush, and you might have three extra rooms just trashed. But you got the patients all seated, you got them all fixed up, you got all the money collected, and then you can go take a break in the break room and put up your feet for 10 minutes, then go back down and clean up three rooms and autoclave everything. It's about knowing your cost. It's about operations and logistics. Yeah. Um, great, great stuff. Um, question about your day. So how do you habitually start your day? How do you end your day? Uh, well, you know, I think leadership, I think the, the fish rots from the head down. That's what the mafia used to always say. So, you know, the dentist um, should be there first and leave last. And you go into every dental office in America, the dentist is the last one there. Usually they're in the, in the operatory waiting 10 minutes for a doc to show up. And, you know, you start there. Uh, you're the first one there. Uh, you, 15 minutes before you have your first patient, you have a morning huddle. Does anybody need to talk about anything? What was their goal in cl- production collection yesterday? What is it supposed to be today? Where are we going to put our emergencies? Uh, is there any red flags? Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll tell me, uh, I'll, I'll get pissed, but they'll tell me, they'll say, uh, I can't, you know, I, it, it ruins my day that John Ertley's coming in at uh, 11 o'clock. He is the biggest, rudest asshole in the world. And I'll say, okay, well, you know, he's my buddy, he's my friend, and if he comes in, he's an asshole, fire his ass. Tell him, tell him it's the last straw. You already talked to your buddy, Howie. 
And if you, if you drop the F-bomb or you say something disrespectful or you do it one more time, you're fired. So who knows what's coming up in the day? But the main thing in the day is this. You want to motivate those incoming calls getting converted to come in. You want to motivate those hygienists that before, you know, the hygienists have to appoint their recalls because most hygienists, they walk up front, and here's some lady taking an incoming call where she could have talked to someone for 10, 20 minutes and made an appointment for her daughter that fell down and broke tooth and then said, hey, do you have any other children that made three more appointments? Well, what about you, Mom? When did you come in? What about your husband? Oh, well, you know, you don't know what's scheduled. Well, hey, my phone system, like we got a nice phone system. I can conference call your husband right now. Can you call him at work? What's his iPhone number? But you have a receptionist. You have a hygienist just walked up there and interrupts all this and says, will you schedule Margaret for a six-month recall? See, she doesn't want to do it because she's lazy, but she also doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to take the rap for the fact that only uh, six people out of eight each day schedule the recall. But when you put the burden on her, then in the, the day you say, hey, I got three hygienists, and two of them saw eight people and scheduled all eight for a recall, and you only saw eight people, and you only scheduled six for a recall. So all three of you hygienists are not leaving until those two people are called. And if they don't schedule, I want to know why. And then you'll have the other hygienists do it because, you know, you know it's, a, it's, a, um, it's basically uh, it's, it's peer pressure. It's like, no, you're not going to leave a five because you're going to have to stay here and do your work because your buddy, who you think is your buddy and you go drinking with and you love to go to lunch with, you're staying late because she can't schedule her patients for a recall. So now you train her, you motivate her, you watch a course. And, and when you talk about courses, that's another thing just unbelievable. So, so the incoming call, uh, the person you name after a piece of furniture, the front desk lady, I guess the front door was already taken, the front chair was already taken, so you named her after a desk. And then when you go to every dental conference, going all the way back to you and me and Destin, when you used to go to Destin, there would be 1,000 people in there, and it was 80% staff. I've lectured 1,000 times for three decades, and you go in there, and the right half of the room, every row is the complete dental office, the dentist, the spouse, the office manager, the whole crew, and then the other side of the room, all filled with individual dentists saving money. And, and, and then who's going to answer all the questions on root canal filling? In fact, the question I hate the most is that dental convention. They say, well, you know, I don't really see any courses for my staff. It's all on root canals and fillings and all on foreign Invisalign. I'm like, who do you think is going to answer all the Invisalign questions? It ain't going to be the dentist. They're going to be calling the front desk lady, which you don't even record their calls. I can't call a single Fortune 500 company in America and not get – and now this call may be recorded. And, we, and you have to record all your calls because when the calls aren't recorded, they don't care. It's like singing in the shower. But when you're on Broadway in front of an audience, you sing very damn differently than when you sing it in the shower. And then you record those phone calls, and she's answering all those questions. And then every month you sit there and, and, and praise her for two of the best calls that she took. And then, you, then, you'll call, and then you'll isolate two calls that could have been better, and everybody hears this deal, and everybody understands the importance of the conversion. So the assistants aren't going to mad and go up front and say, why the hell is there a patient in room eight? Well, I converted her. Now she's here. <laughs> now it's your problem. So Doc might go in there and, and have a cancellation, a no-show, or work through lunch or stay at the end of the day and do a crown for 1000 bucks, Or he might go in there and say, um, you know, well, you know what I'd like to do first before we do this is get you in for a cleaning and get the gum tissue all healed up around there. That way when I'm making the crown, I don't have bleeding gums. So you catch the fish. You don't have to cook, clean, and eat it. Um, but, you know, you, online see a dental town. I mean, it's 18 bucks an hour for a course. 
And these dentists, to, to go learn something, they have to get an airplane by themselves, fly across the country, drop 3000 bucks on a weekend course. They didn't bring their staff. They do everything. I have four fingers, and they're named faster, easier, higher in quality, lower in cost. I mean, I mean you could take 400 hours. You could get your FAGD on Dentaltown today, taking 500 classes, for less than the cab fare, it would cost you from the airport you flew into for your air, for cab fare on the way to your resort where you're going to go drop 3000 bucks to learn something that you should have told your staff, look, I'm going to pay you for lunch tomorrow. So instead of clocking out for lunch, I'm going to pay you your hourly wages, and I'm going to send uh, Margaret to choke and puke and get some pizzas and subs and hamburgers, and we're going to go through these courses. Where is our weakest area? We record the phone calls. It sounds like people answering the phone don't understand Invisalign. They don't understand root canals. They're getting questions on implants. Some lady asked the other day if she'd have to have a sinus graft, and, and our Marcy didn't even know what a sinus graft was. I would rather the dentist not go to CE courses, and the, high, the, the receptionist is going to answer half, and then the assistant and the hygienist are going to answer the other half. And so then the dentist goes to the course alone all by himself. And then he thinks, well, I can't afford to take them all to the ADA convention. Well, then don't take them to the ADA convention. Pay them to work through lunch, buy them a pizza, and watch an online CE course on Dentaltown. Yeah, good. I love it. Um, what one patient education or selling tool, if you will, would I have to pry from your cold, dead hands? So, in other words, what would you not give up in your practice as far as technology or equipment goes? So as far as technology? Ah, yep. well, I mean, you know, the you know, birds remember sounds, and sapiens only remember it through their eyes. Like, I meet you at a party, and you tell me you're Jerry Jones, and then we, I may meander off an hour later. I'm like, I walk into you like, dude, I'm sorry, what was your name again? And you say, Jerry, let me give you my business card because you know my opposing thumb hold on to a card. You know my eyes knew it was you, but you know my ear wasn't hooked up to the memory. And when you, you know, the Italians. I used to say the Italians all talk with their hands. God dang, after lecturing in Greece, I think the Greeks might talk more with their hands than the Romans. Of course, they were the forefathers of the Roman Empire. But when you're talking, every operatory is the same. Every operatory is a Boeing 737 for Southwest Airlines. When I go into your operatory, if I walk into any operatory and go to drawer three, it better look like the exact same drawer in every single room. And when you walk in in the morning, you turn on your digital x-ray and you turn on your digital camera. And when you're talking to the patient about this and that and you're doing the exam, you're talking with the internal camera and you're taking pictures and you're printing them out on an 8 by 10 sheet. And then when you're taking x-rays, you're, you know, between each x-ray, you stop, you point to the screen when it comes up where you say, but you show them, okay, okay, see this black hole there? That's the cavity. See that white area? That's the filling. And, and, and you educate it. And then you decide which ones you need to print out as you're doing uh, the bite wings or the FMX. And then you also got to remember that this human is part of the family. And a lot of men, I mean, you look at divorce. I mean, divorces, you could break them up into thirds, 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 money, sex, and substance abuse. So when you go back to money, when you're telling some 25-year-old boy, well, you have two cavities and they're $250 each, he just shut you down right now because he knows uh, he ain't going to put $500 on his ATM card. Or his wife might hit him over the head of the beer bottle. Um, so you got to be able to sit there and say, by the way, um, do you have iPhone? I mean, do you, can you FaceTime your wife? Well, let's FaceTime your wife. Let, let's get her involved in this. And if he says, no, I can't, well, let me put these uh, x-rays on the picture. What's your wife saying? Shirley? 
surely this is the cavity you point here. And then you've got to tell them that, you know, right now this cavity is $250 and you don't have dental insurance, so uh, you say you can't get it done, but when you leave, it's only going to take a year or two and it'll get into the nerve, then it'll be a toothache, and then it'll be a $2,000 root canal bill and crown. Well, if you don't have $250 for the filling, you're not going to have $2,000 for a root canal and crown, but you'll be in so much pain, you'll pay $250 anyway to extract it. So you pay $250 today, we'll fix this, and you keep the tooth. You walk out that door, I'm looking at your chart. You haven't been here for three years. Buddy, your future behavior is best predicted by your post-behavior. You walk out that door, I guarantee you, I've been doing this 30 years. I'll see you come in that door, and you'll be holding your face, you'll be in a toothache, and you'll find your debit card, and you'll give me $250 to extract the tooth. And I need to know, you know, I don't talk to Grandpa if Grandma's sitting in the waiting room. I want to get them all in the waiting room. I want to sit there and take lots of pictures, lots of digital cameras, and, and the dentist, you know, you have to talk money. You can't sit there and say, well, you need a filling, you need, or you need two fillings, and this. And, well, the, the person wants to know what it costs. I mean, if I go to Walmart, Costco, Amazon, the, the price is right there, and the dentist can't get over that objection. Like, if, I, if I'm talking to you, like, well, if you, do you want, you know, do you want me to reline your denture uh, for 295 do you want me to make a whole new denture for 1200 Do you want me to put two implants and that denture on top of it for 4950 Do you want to go four implants, I mean uh, six implants and a 12-unit bridge for fifteen grand? I mean, what are, what are you thinking? I mean, how, what, what is your budget for this? I mean, it's like if I go to GM, I can get a Chevy, a Pontiac, an Olds, a Chrysler, or a Cadillac. And these dentists, they don't take treatment plan presentation. And even if they hand it off to let someone do the write-up and take the money and all that kind of stuff, the doctor still has to say the price because then he owns it. When he doesn't say the price, you need two fillings. And then you walk up front and some little girl says, well, they're 250 so they'll cost $500. They just kind of get confused, and it really massively hurts the treatment plan acceptance rate, and it's very measurable. Um, the doctor has to own the price. My God, we could take every – and this is a trick that i got to give credit to Omar Reedy. He taught me this 30 years ago. He says, you know, you know, the dentist bill on units. Like, they'll say, well, I get $1,000 for a crown, so for 10 veneers, that would be 10 grand. Okay, well, at 10 grand, do you sell any? The answer is no. But then you look at cosmetic procedures in America. The number one um, cosmetic procedure – uh, surgery is an eyelid, and that's like thirty-nine fifty. Then next is breast augmentation, that's about thirty-nine fifty. A facelift is about forty-nine fifty, and then you're charging ten grand for teeth. Are you out of your mind? Why, why should I spend ten grand for teeth when I can get a facelift and a boob job? I mean, they they don't <laughs> understand what is the price that moves in the marketplace. I could list my house tomorrow for a hundred million dollars and say I'm I'm worth a hundred million dollars. Yeah, but nobody bought it. And then you find out, oh, there's a price where you could sell it today. There's a price that might take you three to six months to sell it. And then there's a price that no one in the world will ever pay for your house. And that's called liquidity. So the bottom line is, you know, um, the doctors got – you've got to see the price out there because you've got to see um, what their comeback is. That's one of the objections. Is it going to hurt? What is it going to look like? Am I going to miss work? How much is it going to cost? Will my insurance pay? You have to throw those things out. Uh, so they know what's going on. Now, if we did this, you know, um, I don't think you'll be in much pain uh, at all. I think afterwards you could go to work the next day. I'll give you some pain medication as what pain medication works for you. Um, the cost of this root canal and crown is going to be $2,000. Uh, 
I'm, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, surely we'll go over the details, but basically the insurance will pay for half. So you'll have to come out with the other half. And, you know, are you good with that? And then, she, and then immediately she can tell me, no, I couldn't do that ever, 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 ever. So what would be my next thoughts? I say, okay, now we'd be pulling it. And that's 250, you know, and so treatment plan presentation. I mean, imagine there's two firemen and one fireman put out two out of every three fires during his career. And the other one felt one in three fires. Who's the better fireman? I don't <laughs> care that you have a bunch of alphabet soup behind your name. When people walk in with infection, disease, and pain, and you only fix it one out of three times, you're not a good doctor. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. Your spouse and family and friends and everyone at church tells you you're all that in a bag of chips. But I'm telling you, you're not. Do you see anything major coming down the line, um, Howard, for uh, for dentists <clears throat> in the way of uh, clinical? Anything, any game changers? Or Oh, or my God. It, I mean, what's coming? What do you know that maybe you haven't talked a lot about? I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the exact opposite of that answer. So when I got out of school, you know, after paying for a formal education at University of Missouri, Kansas City, they told me that when a beautiful woman comes in, Dicor crowns and cement them with Duralon. So I went out there in the first year, you know, I did several hundred of those. Guess how many of them fractured and I had to cut off for free and replace it with a PFM? <laughs> Every single one of them. I never heard of either that came out with Targus Vectris. I don't know what Targus meant. I don't know what Vectris meant. But after three years, they got a divorce in the mouth. And, and Jureus Coulter had art glass. And I'm telling you, when you talk to an old dog, 55 years old, that's been doing this since he's 30 years old, when I see new shit come out, I start laughing because I know all the young millennials are all going to try it. Like, there's this new, this new thing that I'm salivating on. Megagen makes this blender you need bone grafting material well you extract the tooth you throw it in this little uh looks like a garbage disposal purates it to mush and now you can use that for the bone graft i mean how cool is that but the problem is i know saliva a nickel is a cubic cc a nickel of saliva has a billion microorganisms bacteria fungus viruses i don't know what's going to happen to a bone graft when there's cementum and enamel and dentin and all that, I don't know. But I know one thing. I don't want to be the idiot who has 10 bone grafts fail because I'm the guy who tried this stuff. So what I would say, when I see something new, I start looking at it and say, when does it transfer from bleeding edge to leading edge? And what I love about Dental Town is there's a quarter of a million dentists from all 220 countries, territories, islands on earth, and we have a search bar in there because there's five and a half million posts. So you just came out with ABC Bone Graft. And I'll go in there on my iPhone and type in on the – open up the Deltown app and type in on the search bar ABC Bone Graft. And then I get to read what my homies are saying. And, and I, know, I know some of these older homies who have 1,000 posts, 10,000 posts, 30,000 posts. And until I know which guys I'm following and on Deltown, like I can follow Jerry Jones. So anytime you make a post – It'll email me a link to a post you made, and I subscribe to a lot of these people, and I'm not going to take it from bleeding edge to leading edge until my mentors have adopted it. So I would, I would say that the product cycle when I came out of school from, you know, uh, the, the stuff you were using when I got out of school in 87, it might take you five, six, seven years before you tried a new product. Now, I mean, my God, there's a new product coming out every single day 
I was talking to Dan Fisher of Alternate the other day. Alternate gets pitched 300 product ideas from dentists a year. There's only 364 days a year. I mean, I mean, these companies are moving so fast. And when it comes to implants, they say, oh, yeah, I found this new company making this implants, and they're out of Russia or China or some whatever the hell. It's like, dude, I'm old school. Give me, give me the one that's been out there for years with tons of research. I'd rather pay extra for Noble BioCare, Strawman, Implants Direct, BioHorizon. If you want to save thirty bucks on a, or three hundred bucks on implant, knock yourself out because I, I, I'm not going to do it until my colleagues um, give me the the, uh, the data to do it. Yeah, um, that's great advice. I'm I'm kind of that retro guy, you know. Um, I like. I like going back to what works and what's proven, what is predictable. And because, you know, like you said, you learned the hard way with Targus Fetris. I remember when that crap came out too, by the way. Um, it was all over everywhere. I mean, it was like the next, the next big thing. It was going to revolutionize dentistry. Yeah, these, these, companies, these companies do most of their research through their customers buying the product, and that's something they're going <laughs> yeah. to have to learn. You know, yep. they come out with something new. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's crazy. I mean, you go into these, um, when you talk about polyphagia, where by the time you're on five prescriptions, uh, your health is, by, by, there's so many side effects compounding on side effects at that point, you're really going to get in trouble. And when they look at these, uh, three of those five, uh, the patient doesn't even think they're a prescription because they didn't have to write a prescription for it, but they're going into these uh, pharmaceutical places and they're taking CoQ10 and they're taking a thousand vitamin C and they're, they're taking all this shit and oil and fish oil. It's like, dude, you take that every single day. How does that get out of your body? How does that react to all these medications? I mean, um, being conservative, like look at all these peri-implantitis that a lot of people are saying is blamed on cements that are called dental implant cement. And everybody knows they're toxic, and if you don't clean off all the flash, it causes peri-implantitis, yet it's called dental implant cement. But you go to old school like me and use just a little temporary cement uh, or zinc phosphate and eugenol, and they're like, well, zinc phosphate and eugenol, it's kind of hard to mix. Dude, it's been around since Jesus. I mean, you know there's no problems with it, and it's the cheapest. And, and then it's, and, and some of the stuff they fall for makes me embarrass my homies. Like, they'll have a really good third, fourth generation bonding agent where you have acid ash, you have primer, you have dentin, but the market says, well, we got to make it go from, uh, that's three steps, we don't make it to two steps, and then we got to make it to one step, and then they come out with, I'll never forget that, what is, what is that one um, um, on the lollipop, they called it a, a promptool pop, it was just one little bonding agent, just one seal, just crack the deal and promptool pop from SB, and it'll be awesome. And it was a nightmare. It's like, really? How would you like to be getting brain surgery? And the doctor says, well, I don't want to remove the tumor with three steps. I'm going to try this brand new one-step brain removal deal. It's like, no, dude. I'm with the old guy who says, this has been working for two decades. And let the young neurosurgeon try the new one-step. And, I mean, these people are paying you money to do it right. Um, I don't know. I just don't want to be bleeding edge. I am completely old school. And you'll get old school as soon as you stick your tongue in an electric sock three or four times, and then you don't want to hear it. That's right. That's right. Experience is a great teacher. Um, you've obviously over the years developed a, a, a very tight, very concise core philosophy for both of your companies, Dental Town, Today's Dental. Um, by the way, is, there, is that a coincidence that they both have TD in the name, or was that just by chance? Dental Town. Today's Dental. Today's dental, dental. I never. I never. That's all new to me. I did not. Maybe I'm dyslexic. 
PDDT. That is hilarious. I did not know that. I, I, I just, ah. yeah, it occurred to me. I thought, well, maybe there's something there. He likes two words, and, and you know that works. But so, what is the core philosophy? Is it different between the two companies? Is it same? Is it the same? What what is what is that core philosophy? I, I would I would say this. So here here was my journey. So my my journey, real simple, is that you know my my best friend, idol mentor, is my father. Um, he had nine Sonic drive-ins. And our little church that we went to was also the founder of Pizza Hut, Dan and Beverly uh, Carney, who had 2,800 Pizza Huts. It's also where the Shaw family went, the founding Godfathers. And I grew up running with all the franchisee people where they had prototypes proven, and they would, they would roll them out. So they'd go borrow a million dollars, put up a, a Pizza Hut, and uh, it, would, it, would, it would always work. And those were rollouts. And they were amazing. But then um, as my dad uh, made more and more money, we finally moved out to the nice area in Wichita, in Lakes of States. And my next-door neighbor was Kenny Anderson, who just celebrated his 50th anniversary in his practice. I just celebrated my 30th anniversary, and both of us are still seeing patients. And I go to work with my dad, and I loved him, and we'd make hamburgers and fries and onion rings. And I'd go to work with Kenny, and he'd take x-rays of these teeth, and you could see through the teeth, and he'd do root canals and crowns and I told my dad in sixth grade, I said, I, I'm, I'm going to be a dentist. And he's like, are you out of your mind? That'll take you eight years. In eight years, you could have three, four Sonic drive-ins and be a millionaire. I said, I know, but I just don't want to make hamburgers the rest of my life. So I got out of school. I had all this knowledge of how big box retail. I mean, I bought a pad. I built a 4,000-square-foot signature building out there. I figured, hell, this is the same size building a McDonald's does. And McDonald's is $3 million a year, and they sell hamburgers at a dollar a piece. Uh, why can't a dental office here selling crowns for a thousand? So I had all that operational logistics from growing up in Sonic and um, um, Pizza Hut. I mean, Dan Carney gave me so many lessons. In fact, when I opened, the founder of Pizza Dan Carney actually flew out to my office and actually visited my office. And uh, it, it was just, you know, I, I had a lot of damn good luck. And then I decided I was going to start lecturing because I was I built this practice that everyone else thought is what takes 10 to 20 years to build, and I built it in a year. And all these people wanted to hear about it, and I wanted to go tell them about it because I knew net worth was equal to your network. And if I knew, if I go out there and tell everybody everything I know, then I'm going to meet people like Jerry Jones at Destin. He's going to tell me everything that you educated me on in direct mail two decades ago that I still use to this day, 30 years ago actually, and so I, I, um, so I think what's, what's neat about um, – so I was out there lecturing, and people would always tell me these ideas, and I'd say write them up. And they would write them up for me, and I'd put them in uh, what I called the Ferran Report from 94, 95, 96, 97, 98. And then finally, 98, I realized, oh, my God, the worst part about my life in those days was I put my four boys to bed at about 830 and then I'd sit there in the chair, I'd start to have a pit in my stomach thinking, oh, my God, I did a root on that guy, and he swelled up. Should I have done it in two appointments instead of one? Or I put him on penicillin, should I put him on Keflex? And I'd have all these questions where everybody that loved me, if I call my dad, I call my mom, my two oldest sisters are Catholic nuns, if I called anybody in my family, everyone would say they'd say prayer for me. They'd talk to St. Anthony. They'd burn a candle tomorrow. They'd offer their communion. I wanted to talk to a dentist. And in 1998, when I saw people on the Internet talking to each other, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was like Christmas morning. I picked up the phone between every single patient, calling everybody in the phone book uh, who had a computer, 
programming. I finally, uh, after about a week, I met my programmer who's still there today. His name's Ken Scott. I told him my idea. I said, all I want to do is start this online study club where I could post an x-ray and a picture and talk to other dentists, and they, they, could, they could join and talk to me. So that took about a year, and we launched it. And we, I actually, my walnut brain thought, it was all about me. I, I literally thought that maybe, maybe once a month, probably, maybe 25 of us would meet at 8.30 to 9.30 and talk. Uh, and if I got really lucky, maybe it could grow to my, maybe every Thursday night we'd have an online chat meeting type deal. I launched that baby, and the first month, a thousand dentists signed up. And they weren't doing it at 8.30 after the kids went to bed. They were doing it in between patients. We've had 1,000 people minimum join every month ever since. And now we're at a quarter million. There's 2 million dentists on earth. So about <laughs> one out of every eight dentists from Kansas to Kathmandu is on that thing. And it's actually growing faster uh, now. The last two years, it's grown at twice the rate as it was the previous two years. And a lot of people said we were going to get um, smattered by Facebook, but I, I already solved the Facebook problem six years before they started Facebook. The, the, the competitors of Dental Town were these email groups, these endless news feeds of incoming emails. And it was all, it was, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. It's all this endless news feed. And when I go onto the site and I want to talk about just, you know, I, I like the organized message word format. If I'm a pediatric dentist, I don't want to sit there and learn about oral surgery and implantology and all this shit. I'm going to go right to pediatric If I just broke a file off, I'm going to go right to endodontics. There's 50 categories, root canal, filling, I'm going to go right to endodontics or search for MB2 and start seeing these uh, cases already posted or post my own new x-ray. And so I, I look at um, dental towns growing faster and faster and faster because people are starting to realize that Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's just an endless, it's a mile wide and an inch deep. Dental Town is an inch wide and a mile deep. I can learn how to do a root canal right now on Dental Town. I cannot learn how to do a root canal following every single endodontist in America on Facebook. So I think yeah. the mission is uh, more important now than ever before, and uh, I'm, I'm just loving it because my goal is always what I want for my homies. They're coming out of school, $350,000 in debt. So why do they have to spend $3,000 at a weekend course to learn something? And, you know, when you come out of school, $350,000 in debt, you can't make very many bad mistakes. You know, 30 years ago, you could come out of dental school and make a lot of bad mistakes and still be fine. But now that you're going up against corporate, demographics matter, I mean, I mean, you know, back in the day, everybody went and practiced where they wanted to practice, but you go set up a practice where there's a dentist for every 500 people, you are going to have five rough years uh, before you're, you feel like you're making any money. Uh, you come out of school and you find uh, that an hour outside of town, the people I see crushing it always are about a two-hour drive from a major airport. So, you know, you come into Sky Harbor uh, around Phoenix, I mean, you go up to North Scottsdale, hell, I know of 80 practices that have gone bankrupt in North Scottsdale uh, from 2008 to 2017. I think it's 86. And you sit there and you drive the other way out of Phoenix. You go an hour south and everybody's crushing it. They're in like Maricopa and Eloy and Florence. And, and, and what's even sadder is so many dentists wake up in the suburbs and commute an hour into Phoenix to starve to death. 
if they got up in the morning and, and commuted an hour out of town down a two-lane highway and pulled up to this little town that you think nobody lives there and only has 1,500 people, but the draw might be 4,000 and they don't have a dentist and you don't have to take PPOs or Delta or Medicaid or Medicare, your crown's 1,000, your root canal's 1,000. And, and there, whenever I see a kid come out of school and do a million dollars the first year and take home 350000 cash, they were two hours away from an airport. And most of them, they'll say, well, I don't, want to, I don't want to go two hours away from town. I'm like, dude, your mom came from Pakistan. Your mom migrated clear around the world to give you a better life, and you're so damn lazy and entitled, you can't go an hour out of town? But your mom came from Pakistan? Really? That's lazy. Yeah. So demographics matter. Marketing yeah. matters. Advertising matter. I mean, and all this stuff matters, and, and I feel really, really good about people like you uh, creating an amazing podcast, put them on Dentaltown, the Dentaltown app. Uh, I, started, I, I started doing the first podcast on Dentaltown about two years ago, and now there's 40 people putting up podcasts. In fact, I tell Ryan, we don't have to do this anymore. I mean, we've done it a lot, and, um, you know, uh, I'm just so, I'm so, I get so many love emails. Uh, people say, my God, Dental Town, save me. Um, I didn't know I should get demographics. Turned out there's only two guys that only specialize in demographics, Scott McDonald and Real Score David. And, uh, and you know, I, I found a mentor on Dental Town. And, and some people say, I say, well, have you found a mentor? They go, are you kidding me? I'm not going to go find a mentor on Dental Town. There's 50 categories. I have a mentor for endo and, and a mentor <laughs> for crown and bridge. I have a mentor for orthodontics. I have a mentor for pediatric dentistry. I mean, these kids have a mentor that they private message and email and talk to and post with on Dental Town. And I, I feel that uh, we're all really uh, making high class, amazing knowledge faster, easier, and basically free. I mean, this podcast's free. Dental Town's free. I mean, basically, hell, forget Dental Town. You get on YouTube. I have a dentist friend of mine named Jared Pope who practices up the street from me, and every night he'd come home from work, he would sit on his iPhone, and he'd go to YouTube, and he'd Google uh, dental implant surgery, and every night after dinner, he'd sit in his chair watching these dental implant surgeries, and he said after he watched, uh, by the time he watched 1,000 hours of YouTube videos on implant surgery, the guy was placing like 30 implants a month and just crushing it. I mean, I mean, it's so cool. I read reports in The Economist how Africa's agriculture, is their output is doubling like every four years because all these kids with no shoes have a Samsung and they're, and they're going to Wikipedia and they're going to YouTube and they're looking at Google aerial maps of their farm and they're learning that they need to rotate crops and that they're overwatering this area. I mean, I, I think when Steve Jobs stuck the Internet into the phone, just like when I was little, I never would have guessed that that phone would have came off the wall and someday I'd be able to take a picture with it. Now when Jobs stuck that Internet in the phone in 2008, the 100 years after that is going to be our greatest century. I mean, in 1880, 80% of earthlings were illiterate and couldn't read or write. Now 80% of the, of the 7.5 billion humans have access to someone in their home or their herd or their, who they're hanging with with a Samsung and Wikipedia and YouTube and iPhone. It's just going to be amazing. That's an, it's, it's crazy insane how fast things are going to change. 
Well, Howard, our um, our time's up, and I know you've got commitments uh, this afternoon. And um, man, I'll tell you, it was uh, as always. Every time I speak with you, I I get notes, pages, and notes, and and it's a whirlwind. And I just I love it. I love it when you get on a roll and you share this uh, this information and and this this thought that you have. It's just raw. It's real. Um, it's it's just reality. So man, I I just appreciate your time and. I appreciate what you've done there in Dentaltown, and if for our listeners, if you haven't, for some unknown stupid reason, not signed up yet for Dentaltown, get your butt over there to Dentaltown.com and get signed up. Um, we post uh, podcasts on there regularly, as Howard said. Uh, this one will be on there eventually, and um, yeah, it's just a great day today, Howard. Thank you. Any last-minute words for uh, for our listeners? Yeah, um, download on your phone. I mean, imagine walking out of dental school 30 years ago and being told that someday you'd have a, a device in your pocket that had a quarter million dentists in there that had all the answers to everything. And if you download that app on your phone and you listen to this podcast on Dentaltown, the reason I love it on Dentaltown is the greatest gift a patient gives is a referral, a friend, or loved one. And the greatest gift you can do, if you listen to this podcast, um, share it. So on Dentaltown, when you see a podcast, you have the buttons to share it to your Facebook group, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Pinterest, whatever you're there. And, uh, you know, and, and feel free to comment, but share it with your homies. If you thought uh, his podcast is great, share it on your social media. Yeah, awesome. Great idea. And, 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 and Jerry, Jerry, what did I just do? I asked You were doing a, a little referral. bit of pimping. You were doing some selling. I was asking for a referral, and every single dental consultant I've ever known for 30 years says that when they observed the first day in a dental office, they never saw anyone ask for a referral. They never saw the reception schedule of patients say, well, is there anyone else in your family you like to? They never seen a dentist or say, well, you know, Jerry, we're all done with you. And um, now it looks like I'm only going to see you every six months for a cleaning. Do you know anybody who might want to come in here and see me and my team? And, I mean, is there anybody? And now let me show you, I bumped into extreme referral. They'll say, well, you know, I need to go to a dentist. My brother-in-law, oh, my God, Sunday mom is cooking spaghetti. My brother-in-law couldn't chew on the right side. I said, oh, my God, do you have an iPhone? And they'll say, yeah. I said, is he in your iPhone? Yeah, call him now. He's like, really, dude? Are you serious? Like, yeah, call him now. So he just pulls out his iPhone. He calls Kevin. Kevin, hey, I'm just getting down to the dentist. I tell him that you were at Ma's house and couldn't even chew on your right side. And he wants to talk to you. He says, Dr. Fred, I've been, I've been going to him for 10 years. I'm like, Kevin, open your mouth. Show me, show me what's going on. And he'll do this and that. And this. I say, oh, my God. Then I walk in this guy's phone or, or I'll go into the schedule. And I say, dude, you got to come in. When can you see me? He says, dude, I don't get out of work at 5. I say, okay, I'll, I'll stay. I'll say, what time do you get here? You know where Safeway is, 48th and Elliott? I'll sit right there. We'll be waiting for you. Uh, that's a bad infection. Hell, your brother-in-law is not a dentist. He knows it's a bad infection. Come down and see me. And I go, all right. Dude, that's called an extreme referral, and I can do it one out of three times. And every single dental office consultant, they've never even asked for a simple referral. <laughs> I mean, I call you up and say, yeah, I want to schedule Eric for a cleaning. Well, is Eric your only child? No, I have Greg grinding back. Well, when's the last time they had a cleaning? And what about your spouse? What anybody else? I mean, think of hygienists and their schedule the next point. By the way, I just scheduled you, so for your cleaning in six months. But is there anyone else you know that really could come in and get a cleaning? And can you do me a favor? Can you? I just gave you a free toothbrush. Will you do me the biggest favor? Will you check in at Facebook? Because the average person has 140 people following them. And half of America doesn't have a dentist or hasn't gone to the dentist in the last year or two. And if they see their smart friend, Julianne, 
going to today's dental, you might have one friend that's thinking, damn, I've been looking for a dentist, and Julie is smart, and I trust her. And next thing you know, I mean, you can see it. Sometimes they're checking out up front, and they'll tell the hygienist, oh, my God, I checked in at Facebook. Marianne, she just texted me. She goes, are those guys any good? And then, and then you can even follow it and say, oh, my God, that's so awesome that your friend Marianne's going to come in, and you're putting that in the charts and that's everything. You say, will you do me even a bigger favor? Will you give us a Yelp review? Because this, this social, um, social validation is, is so huge with these young millennials. They won't eat at a restaurant, go to a dentist, unless there's reviews. They say, yeah, I'll give you a review right now. But, see, I asked the referral. I asked you to go to Dental Town right now and download the Dental Town app. I asked you for a referral. Uh, you know, why can't you ask your patients for a referral? It's so easy, and it's so important now more than ever. I would agree 100%. Grow some stones. Ask for the referral, right? Absolutely. All right, everybody. Hey, Howard, thank you very much. We'll talk to you all soon. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment. You can always listen in to the next show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jerry Jones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show.